We're continuing uh, our series, uh, Just Walk, um, that covers this idea that there is a way to navigate uh, this life that we live in that is a good way to do it. Uh, and we've sort of been teasing some of those um, ideas out. And I should say as well, uh, and you'll notice it in the, in the reading when it pops on the text, if, you normally re- if you've reached that point in a church where you've had a busy week, and you're just quite glad just to have a moment's peace. And you might just be thinking about just zoning out. And I'm not, there's no judgment here. I've sat through church sermons since I were a kid. I know sometimes that feels like a really great thing to do. But I need to tell you at the start, we cover, and I had a little laugh with Dan earlier on, who's done the kids' talk today. We're covering the Antichrist. We're covering um, the return of Jesus. We are dealing with the power of the Holy Spirit. So I don't know if that captures your imagination if that encourages you to tune a little bit longer, uh, that's really great. All right, well, let's have uh, God's word to us. Dear children, this is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now, many Antichrists have come. This is how we know it's the last hour. They went out from us but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us, but their going showed that none of them belonged to us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. I do not write to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no lie comes from the truth. Who is the liar? It's whoever denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a person is the Antichrist, denying the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. As for you, see that what you've heard from the beginning remains in you, in you. If it does, you also will remain in the Son and in the Father. And this is what he promised us, eternal life. I am writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. As for you, the anointing you receive from him remains in you. And you do not need anyone to teach you. But but as his anointing teaches, you all... But as his anointing teaches you about all things, and as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it has taught you, remain in him. So like I said at the start, it's probably worth listening. Even if, even if I'm rubbish, let's be honest, even if I'm really rubbish, it's worth hearing what I've got to say about the Antichrist, about the Holy Spirit, about the end times, and these sorts of things. I don't know um, if you're like me. I'm a child of the 90s. Um, and as I'm scrolling through my social media, fe- media feeds and as I'm uh, watching Netflix of an evening, there's a trailer that is coming up uh, that's got me quite excited. It's got me quite engaged. Um, and you'll definitely be sharing this if you're from the olden days, as my kids describe it like me, and from the 90s. But you'll probably share this just anyway. It's going to be an awesome film. It's The Matrix. So maybe, have you seen The Matrix? It's, it's from 1999, but there's also uh, spin-offs. And there's a new one coming out called Matrix Resurrections. It reopens the story of the lovely 
and ridiculously attractive Keanu Reeves, also known as Neo, who has this, and maybe just I'm talking now, you can flick your minds back into the last time you watched the film, if you've seen the film, via spending a lot of time hacking away on his computer screen, he has this awakening moment, this moment of realization, realizing that the world that he'd known, that he'd sensed and touched and experienced, that wasn't the ultimate reality of things. He had this awakening. Now, this film, it comes out, I think, end of November, December time. Lots of reasons you should go and watch it. Some of the best, I love a slow-mo fight scene. I'm 42 and it's not faded. I'm wondering if it's ever gonna fade. I watched The Matrix the other night with my son for research purposes and both of us were like, that's just, that's amazing. Just slow-mo fight scenes. And then you've got this awesome, like ongoing actual, I don't always engage with the romance stories, but the, the romance story between Neo and Trinity, I'm like, this is a great like love story. And the cinematography, it's just, it's gonna be an amazing film. Lots of reasons to go and see it, but the main reason, the reason why it's got, why it genuinely like stirs my soul and excites me is the observation that it makes about the human race, about us as people. It says to us, it suggests to us that we might well live in or amongst, or maybe even choose to live in or amongst some kind of fabricated, false reality. It challenges us uh, to waken up. There's the, I've got a quote uh, I'm gonna pop on the screen um, just now. If you're a fan of the film, you might remember the moment uh, in the, in the storyline when this comes up. Um, and it's kind of a pivotal moment in the film uh, where Morpheus um, says to Neo, if you take the blue pill, the story ends. So he gets this, he gets this opportunity in the storyline to just forget everything that he's seen, this, this pretty dark reality that he's seen, this, this normal that he's seen, and he can drift back into the distraction and the false reality that he knew, and he gets this opportunity. And maybe it's a little statement um, into American politics, the fact that it's a blue pill and a red pill. I don't know what you think about that, perhaps. But he has this moment. You take the blue pill, the story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to believe. It's, it so viscerally, I think, speaks to those many moments that we have as human beings after a glass of red or after a long conversation with your partner or a long chat with your friend or a long holiday or if you're stargazing or whatever, one of these moments where you're saying to yourself, is this... Is this all that there is? I'm sure that there's more. And then you, you start going down that road a little bit, just imagining that, just a little bit. And then you say to yourself, oh man, that's a lot. Let me, let me put my smartphone back on. Let me stick Netflix back on and jump back into the distraction of the world. John says to us in this text, three things that we're going to cover. He says to us, he says to the people at Ephesus, and I think it, you know, it spreads out to us, it applies to us today. He says, you need to be aware, you need to wake up and be aware of the times that you're living in. You need to know the days in which you're living in and that they are deceptive. You need to wake up and see this. 
tells us as well that there's a way, even in this deception, to see truth. Truth is out there, and there's a way to see it. And then he says to us, but you've got to hang on to something. It's something you've got to hold on to. So it should just be a couple of minutes on each, and it's worth, uh, I ask you, I encourage you just to, to stick with me, um, observe the text, let's wrestle with this passage. So the first thing we're going to think about is that we are living aware that we're in deceptive times. I think that's the first thing that John's saying to us. Dear children, this is the last hour. As you've heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. This is how we know it's the last hour. They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. If they belonged to us, they would have remained with us, but their going showed that none of them belonged to us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. I don't write to you because you don't know the truth, but because you do know the truth. And no lie comes from the truth. Who's the liar? It's whoever denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a person is the Antichrist, denying the Father and the Son. He talks about, so right at the start of the passage, dear children, we've explained already that this is how he talks to anyone of faith, not just kids, but anyone of faith. This is the last hour. If you've been around church circles for any length of time, even if you've just observed church circles for any length of time, you'll know that this captures the imagination of Christian people. We can't, and I include myself in this bunch, we can't help ourselves, and probably with good reason, but go down the road and think this stuff through. And it's led us to all sorts of different sort of outcomes. So we have, over the years, the church, from day one, I think up until now, has had really strong ideas about this idea of the Antichrist. We have some pretty clear, we have, you know, at different periods in history, the church has stood up and gone, or even people within the church stood up and gone, it's definitely that person. It's definitely that person. You know, we've had our eyes out for this ultimate baddie kind of figure. So that's been part of our, that, our experience as we thought about the end times, as the Bible talks about the end times. It's led us to some pretty, well, a couple of different reactions, like individually. It's led to pretty earnest waiting. This idea that there is a last hour has meant that we, you know, we've, it's meant that we've been looking for the return of Christ with good reason. But it's also meant that we've, it's, certainly for a few hundred years, it was all that we really preached about. It's coming back, you need to sort yourself out. It's coming back, you need to be aware of this. It's led to that. And also, it's led to like an, an urgency, but it's also led to real apathy. People would look at the story and go, well, he's supposed to be coming back, he's not come back. Even people within Christianity go, well, he's not coming back. I can do whatever I want. So we've really thought a bit about this idea. And John's words, I think in this passage, are really helpful. I think they cause me and I think they'll call, cause us just to think about this in a slightly different light. John knows, and you can sort of read, you see it in, the, in between the lines of the text, that these people in Ephesus that he's writing to, they're asking questions. It's on their mind. They're getting beaten up and persecuted. And they're asking the end times question. And he knows, because it's in their history as, as um, Hebrew people, as Jewish people, they've got an idea of the Antichrist. This is a concept that exists for them. So they're talking about that as well. So he knows he's writing into this sort of circumstance. And he says to them, I think really shockingly, it was the bit of the text that made my eyebrows go above my hairline. He says to them, many Antichrists are already here. 
on earth does that mean? Who's he talking about? And he references the cessationists, this bunch of people that we've talked about over the last few weeks who've gone out of the church and caused loads of trouble. And he also references, and you can see it, um, if I can find where I am here, I think it's in verse 22 or verse 23 or something like that. Anyone who's denying Jesus, and this, is, this should hit us like a shovel around the head, anyone who's denying that Jesus is the Messiah, anyone who's saying Jesus is not who he said he was, stepping back from the text, which I think is a healthy thing to do in this moment, what we realize is saying, we'll know the end times are among us, end times are around, not just when, and this is what you see if you can just step back from the text a second, not just when everyone is looking for the ultimate baddie, that's going to be happening, not just then, but also, you see what he's saying to us within the text, also when he references this idea that there are many antichrists and they're all around you. And what he's talking to here about here is the people who've just left the church, their friends and neighbors, their associates, people that they've known well. He's saying that we'll know it's the end times when the, the liar and the lies get so strong and become so woven into the very fabric of society that you find yourselves in and amongst them, sitting next to them. They've been in your church and they've left. He says, we'll know it's the end times when the lies get really, really thick. In other words, I think he says two things. To all, especially, especially to people looking out, when we think about end times, looking out for this day, which makes sense for us to do that, but I think he speaks into that and he says, end times, when he talks about this idea of a, of a last hour, although we should be on our guard, he says, this is now. It's now, it's then, and it's now. When the people are looking for the ultimate body, maybe even looking for the ultimate body even more than they've got their eyes on, the mess of lies that exists all around about them. He refers here to the Antichrist as being a liar. One of the best ways that we can understand the devil, Satan, is to realize that he is a liar. Do you see it there in verse 22? The liar. I don't know if any of you have had encounters with anybody who has a problem with lying. I think we term it narcissist. I'm not going to be able to say it. I'll try. Narcissism, narcissistic. He's got that just permanent lies. If you've, encounter, if you've lived amongst that, if you've been close to that, one of the things you realize, it's really hard to spot Everything's a bit tainted. It's hard, to, it's hard to make out where the truth is. And when we look at the work of the devil, I think John's pointing out here, the lies are everywhere. It's woven into even the things, even, even our friends and our neighbors and our associates and people that have been in and out of church, even ourselves, it's woven into the fabric of society. And he says to us, got to wake up. These are the times that you're living in. It's loaded uh, with lies. Some of the lies, I think, that we're up against that have just become almost like life mantras. And there's millions of them. I would, I would make the case that we live in a like a matrix of lies. We live amongst uh, the lies in that sense. We think that money is going to buy us happiness. 
get us to happiness. And we say to ourselves, oh, I've kind of dealt with that. I know that that's not true. And yet the reality is that we think that, that we act like that. Popularity will get us towards happiness. Sex, pornography will get us towards happiness. We say to ourselves, or we realize in ourselves, or we feel the lie in ourselves that we're not good enough for some stuff, or we say to ourselves that we're too good for some stuff. We end up in a, in a materialistic world thinking that we just can't have enough stuff. There's this lie of materialism that says you're going to be happier if you just keep adding stuff. You'll let, eventually, you'll reach a point of happiness just soaked into our everyday fabric of life. This web of lies. John says to us, wake up. There's another lovely quote um, in the film. Um, and this is Morpheus. If you've seen the film, you'll know what I'm talking about. Morpheus is explaining to Neo about this tricky new reality that he's in. And he says to him, You've got to understand, Neo, that most people... So Neo has this moment where he gets... Maybe you've, it's this amazing moment where he literally pulls the plug out the back of his head and he's unplugged and he's in the real world. Morpheus says to him, you need to realize that most people aren't ready to be unplugged. And it reminds us, I think, of just how hard it is to face this, to consider the fact that what we, what's around us it might just be not the truth of things. And that there might be a deeper reality that we need to explore and go into. So how do we cope with this? How do you know that I'm telling truth? How do you know that the, the Bible is the truth? Like it's fair enough he'd stand up here and say, there's loads of lies. Anyone can say there's loads of lies. Everyone's really saying there's loads of lies. We live in a post-truth time. That's one of the, it's one of the ways that we classify ourselves. So how on earth... How on, earth, how on earth can we trust anything? How can we know that anything is true? So I think John says two things to us here. This is the, the wrap-up of the talk in this Web of Lies. He says, you're enabled to see truth. There is a way that you can see and know truth. Even in this Web of Lies, there's a way that you can see it. And it's going to involve holding on tightly to something. So he tells these Christians in verse 20, you are anointed by the Holy One. This is how he's building his argument here as to how they can find truth and how they can hope to exist in truth. You're anointed by the Holy One. Literally is saying, Jesus has poured out his spirit on you. He's literally poured it out onto you. And then I guess you sort of, as you try and wrestle or deal with the the you know, the character of the Holy Spirit, as you try and think about that, you sort of think in your head, so I've been anointed, what does this, what does this mean? Does it mean I can do all sorts of magical tricks? Am I a miracle worker? You know, this is another one of those things that we really get excited about as Christians, as we should get excited about as Christians, and we really start to think about. Does it mean, so it says in verse 27, it says that we know all things. And we even boast there, there's a boast that we don't even need a teacher. What does that mean? Are we, just, are we super smart? Is that what's happening here? It says in verse 20, you are anointed by the Holy One and all of you know the truth. What is he getting at when he says that? You know the truth. Let me read a, a verse from John's Gospel and then a verse from uh, Corinthians. This is how Jesus is describing what that'll look like. 
when the Holy Spirit comes, what that truth is. It says, when the Advocate comes, the Holy Spirit, John 15, 26, whom I'm going to send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify, he will bear witness to me. Holy Spirit, this thing that we love to think about and talk about as Christians. No, it says the Holy Spirit is going to point you to Jesus. Another verse, 1 Corinthians 2, 7 to 10, says, we declare God's wisdom, a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined, destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it. For if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it's written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things that God has prepared for those who love him, these are the things God has revealed to us by his spirit. The spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. So here's what it says. These couple of verses pulled up with what we've been reading about in John's gospel, John's letter, rather. There is an ultimate truth that exists. An ultimate truth does exist. We saw it, for we glimpsed it in Jesus Christ. We see it in Jesus Christ where we can know our ultimate origins, the ultimate origins of the human species, the ultimate future of the human species, our ultimate meaning, our purpose. It's there evidenced in Jesus. We get to see it in his life and it's present in him. And that what the spirit is doing, and the passage in Corinthians, I think explains it really well. It says the spirit here and now is working so that you see the richness, the meaning, all of that in Jesus Christ. So that becomes evidence to you. And what it means is even though we live thousands of years down the line, even though we live amongst loads of lies that we can still have, that people can still have, even though we live in a post-truth time, we can still have that piercing, pivotal, anchoring realization. We can have that connection to truth, real truth. You can go back to your workplace on Monday. You can exist in all the yeah, this world that we live in, and you can still see really clearly, you can hold to ultimate truth. The third thing he asks us to do, he says that we're going to need to do in the world of lies, is hang on to that truth. Verse 24 and 25 say, As for you, see to it that what you've heard from the beginning, this is the constant refrain in this letter, Hold on to what you've heard at the beginning. See to it that it, rem it remains in you. If it does, you also will remain in the Son and in the Father. And this is what he promised us, eternal life. John sees these people in Ephesus, the cessationists as we've come to refer to them, these people that have left the church. He sees them plotting a new way forward, going off and doing A, B, or C, rejecting different parts of Jesus' ministry, etc., etc. And he says to the, the church, he says to them, see what they're doing, and you see what they're doing, but you hold on to 
remain steadfast in what you've learned from the beginning. That command to stay on the face of it sounds like the easiest instruction in the whole world. You'll have received it and you'll have dished it out perhaps at different times. Just stay there. Like Definitely if you're a parent or if you're a teacher or something like that, you'll turn around and you go, just stay there. And if you'll have been the recipient of it as well. Somebody will have said to you, just stay there. And when you stop and think about it, you think, that's the easiest thing ever, isn't it? All I've got to do is literally not move. And yet we know that the reality of this, it's impossible because somebody tells us to stay. We're like, wow, what's happening? What, what am I missing? What, what needs my help? You want to rush and you want to help. All that remaining needs, well, it's nothing except for faith in the person that's given the command and it needs loads of that that's what john's saying to us here you need to trust you need to remain in hang on to amongst this world of lies this person that has given this command it's all about our trust in him and faith in him so we say to ourselves he said he's going to come back he said he's going to come back. I'm going to trust him that he's going to come back. I'm going to wait till he comes back. We heard him say, we know that the truth of him says that he's never going to take his eyes away from us. That's what he says. I'm not going to take my eyes off you. I've got my eyes on this world. And what we've got to do is trust him. Say, I'm going to trust that you're seeing what's going on here. And I'm going to wait in that. We remember that we said, and he instructed us to follow him, to be like him. And we've got so much opportunity in this world not to be like him and not to follow him. And yet we say, I'm going to follow him. I'm going to listen to what he said. I'm going to try and be like him. Even though nobody else is going to be like him, I'm going to try and be like him. We know that he said that perfect justice comes. Perfect justice comes. And we say, but it looks so rubbish just now. No, we don't. We say, he said that perfect justice comes. I'm going to trust him that he's going to deal with this. He says to us, you should remember me. I'm going to give you a way to remember me. I want you to keep remembering me. And we look at the bread and the wine and we think that seems like quite an alien concept. And yet we say, because we trust in the person that gave the command, we say, yeah, I'm going to stop and I'm going to remember him. Matrix is a really good film. You should um, go back to Cineworld. I think many people are going at the moment. Go and give them a bit of a hit with your, with your spare cash and that sort of thing. Maybe we should go together and watch uh, Matrix Revolutions. That always goes very badly whenever I say to Christian people, come watch this film with me. I've had some terrible stories here. I'll rethink that one. The end of the Matrix chat that I can remember from the 90s with the different bunches of people that I went to see it with, when I stopped to reconsider it just recently, it just kind of blew me away. You go and see this film, which basically says you're, you're living in a distracted, unreal world. You come out of the cinema... You know, it's this pointed 
think about this. Think about the fact that we're not really thinking about where we're living and so much we're just like idling our way through and we're not really thinking about the deeper things. It's this really clear message and you come out and a lot of the chat is like, um, oh, good, wasn't it? Great CGI, like me. Love that fight scene. He were good looking, she were whatever else. You know, that's the chat. Will there be a sequel? Really cool. Wonder if there'll be another one. And yet, it says to us, wake up. Look at the world around about you. Consider the days that you're living in and think about it. And I would say to you, in light of that, you need to see through, reconsider, stop and think about what's out there and consider that there is a truth. And for us, we found it and we need to hang on to it.